0: Included in this next set is an interview that I did with uh, Randy Bachman of Bachman Turner Overdrive and the guest, and also founding member of the Guess Who, um, Randy Bachman started up Guitar Archives, and I was asking him uh, various questions as to how the label got started and the importance of Lenny Bro.
1: Well, I was fortunate enough many years ago that someone discovered <laughs> CDs and classic rock, so all my stuff on the Guess Who and BT all came out in uh, you know compact disc. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, being a Lenny Bro fan, he was like one of my, he was my first you know, guitar mentor way back in Winnipeg. Yeah. I tried to get his stuff on CD. Well, no one had done it yet. Wow. No one had done it, so I'd call RCA because I was in touch with him on some other business, and um, I knew there was uh, you know some act- activists there mm-hmm. going through labels because it was going through my old stuff, you know, getting your old albums and re- releasing them. Mm-hmm. When I called RC and he said they said they had no interest in doing Lenny Brown. They probably wouldn't have. And I said, well, could I get the rights? I have a little. I used to have a little label. I'll reactivate it
0: yeah.
1: and get it started again to release Lenny Brown CD. Because I found, as I traveled, guitar players were still copying whatever two or three albums of his. They had to cassette, giving it to other guitar players and to students,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like there was no royalties being generated for his children. Wow. Uh, Not that they were bootlegging it, but they wanted to share his music, right? And I was doing the same thing. I would tape it, or I'd give my lose my album, and I'd get somebody else to tape it and give it. You couldn't even buy the albums anymore. Wow. Um, I went to Winnipeg and uh, talked about this, and then I had an avalanche of people coming who we ended up calling friends of Lenny Bro, uh, FOLB, and um, starting to offer many, many tape recordings of him. Hmm. Some done in studios, some done as television and radio shows, and some done as, you know, um, private lessons. Some where they just walked into a nightclub and said, Hi, can we tape you? And he said, Yeah. Hmm. So we ended up, um, people just giving it to us. And for some reason, I think they've trusted my motives because they were not financial. I wasn't trying to gather this up and, and kind of prostitute it and sell it and take the money and have a Swiss bank account kind of thing. I was doing it as a labor of love, and to trying to get his stuff out. And I just felt he—it was a real tragedy that he was killed, you know. And that see to live long, um, longer, still being alive now. I mean, he'd be one of the best two or three in the world, you know.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know a lot of people. I, I guess see you more as a leader with with BTO and the Guess Who, but they're not familiar with your your jazz side. And uh, I find that a lot of, a lot of stuff that you did
1: with with B, BTO had a jazz tinge to it. Yeah, well, Blue Collar was probably the best example. I'm looking out for number one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That was all the Lenny Bro kind of stuff he taught me. Uh, She's Come Undone way back in the Guess Who was written from chords. Lenny Bro taught me. Wow. And uh, there's a couple of things. The end of, uh, if you're familiar with BTO tracks, there's Mm -hmm. the end of uh, Welcome Home Yeah. and BTO 2. That's a jazz thing that Lenny taught me, and it was some sort of a Barney Kessel kind of thing that was happening. had taught me a certain guitar style and etiquette Mm -hmm. that i still have today every time i pick it up and play it's like you know there's a book out everything i know i learned in kindergarten or something like that Mm -hmm. i feel the same way everything i learned about guitar or i know about guitar i basically learned from my kindergarten year Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when i first decided to play and got a guitar i met lenny bro like in the same month so i didn't know any boundaries a lot of guys get a guitar and say, gee, I can't play that. When I met Lenny Brown, he was only a year older than me. We were both like 16 or 17.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, he had no boundaries. So as a student of his, not really a student because he wasn't giving lessons. We were just two kids, you know what I
0: mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he would like get a Sabicas album, mm-hmm. Carlos Montoya album, and learn it front to back. He'd get a Barney Kessel album, wow. get Les Paul and learn it, and not even realize it was double or triple track and sped up. He'd play the whole thing at once in fingerstyle. He'd amaze people. I mean, he used to play Lover, the Les Paul thing, all in fingerstyle. And Les Paul was using an eight track with overdubs and stuff. Yeah. And so he knew no boundaries. And so he kind of gave me that attitude that there's nothing that you can't do on a guitar if you really want to do it. It just takes time, dedication. You sit down and learn it. And you sit down and learn it. Then you practice it so you can do it forwards and backwards in your sleep, and you can play it any time you want to, you know, a recall when you think of a lick that you can just pull it out and do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: also with very great taste. I mean, when he, was, he had taught me a certain guitar style and etiquette mm-hmm. that I still have today. Every time I pick it up and play, it's like, you know, the, there's a book out, everything I know I learned in kindergarten or something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Everything I learned about guitar, or I know about guitar, I basically learned from my kindergarten year. Mm-hmm when i first decided to play and got a guitar i met lenny bro like in the same month so i didn't know any boundaries a lot of guys get a guitar and say gee i can't play that when i met lenny bro he was only a year older than me we were both like 16 or 17.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, he had no boundaries so as a student of his not really a student because he wasn't giving lessons We were just two kids you know what i
0: mean
1: Mm -hmm. um he would like get a sabikas sabikas album Mm-hmm. Carlos Montoya album and learn it front to back and get a Barney Kessel album. Wow. Get Les Paul and learn it and not even realize it was double or triple track and sped up. He'd play the whole thing at once in fingerstyle. He'd yeah. amaze people. I mean, he used to play Lover, the Les Paul thing, all in right. fingerstyle. And wow. Les Paul was using you know, an 8-track with overdubs and stuff. Yeah. And so he knew no boundaries. And so he kind of gave me that attitude that there's nothing that you can't do on a guitar if you really want to do it. You just, it just takes time dedication. You sit down and learn it. And okay. you sit down and learn it. Then you practice it so you can do it forwards and backwards in your sleep. And, and you can play it any time you want to. You know, a recall when you think of a lick that you can just pull it out and do it. Mm-hmm. And, and also with very great taste. I mean, to be like, to put a word together with guitar.
0: Right.
1: And I came up with, with Guitar guys, which everyone thinks now is a great Very original. Uh, Great label for old guitar music.
0: Right.
1: And so I got guitar archives trademarked and patented, and um, that took, you know, almost a year, because they got to search the files and then people object to it. Mm -hmm. I got an objection from a Deutsch gramophone in Germany, and their thing was called music archives. Well, we just had to go before a judge and say, there's no way music archives is similar to guitar archives. And so we won that, and so I I got the little label going. and. We thought the best thing to release would be the one that was the easiest to prepare, which was the Lenny Brook Bourbon Street. And the reason it was easiest, it was recorded by a DJ and his engineer, Ted O'Reilly. Right. And it was done on the first digital recorder in Canada, so it was all done properly. Wow. The other stuff we got in Lenny is some old, you know, cassettes and old Rogers or Roberts tape recorders that somebody had in the 1960s. <laughs> and they, you know, they recorded him improperly. So we have to take those, put them into a computer, and try to just. Extract the musical notes and take away all the background noise, which luckily you can do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I couldn't have done this five years ago. You know now there's Pro Tools and Sound Tools, and yeah. you put something in and just totally clean up. You could see all the music as, as a graph. And there's, if somebody drops a glass, because in the middle of a Bourbon Street, uh, a waitress dropped a tray of glasses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a gigantic crash. <laughs> we were able to take that out. Wow. We we're able to take a people clinking. Uh, glasses, you know, because we sometimes people were closer to the mic than Lenny was, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so this is just one microphone on stage. So with this modern technology, it was really quite good. Also, another thing about modern technology, there's very few pictures of Lenny Bro. Mm-hmm. He never really posed a lot. There never was any real formal photographs. So consequently, we have snapshots that people gave us. Well, the snapshot we used on the cover of Guitar of the, um, Live at Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. Had a person's head right in the middle because they were sitting in front of the guy with the camera. Oh no! And Lenny and Dave Young were probably eight or nine feet apart on stage. Wow! We were able to put that in a computer, take away the person's head that was in between them, bring them instead of eight or nine feet apart to look like they were like two feet apart, like side by side. Wow! Just with a computer. So this is re- This is really the right time, I think, to bring this Lenny Bro stuff forth because a lot of it is not properly documented with photos or properly recorded. But with the gear that's out there that we can get it, and listen to it, and then try to bring forth the most pure guitar signal we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we were very lucky with that first one. We're also very lucky we've got two more coming out very soon. Oh, great! Um, that was Lenny Bro's first recording when he was 15, mm-hmm. just before I met him. So th- this is very dear to me, because when I met him, this is what he was playing.
0: Wow.
1: And it's a staggering amount of uh, Merle Travis, Chad Atkins, and Jimmy Bryant stuff all rolled into one. Wow, What is uh, that? Uh, considering he recorded when he was 15, yeah. uh, we also found a poster that called him Boy Wizard or Boy Wonder, a Guitar Wizard, Boy Wonder, so we're calling his next album Boy Wonder. Wow. When is that uh, going to be oh, released? We're working on it now. We just we got the tapes. I had to buy them from a studio in Maine, because uh, he lived in Maine before he came to Winnipeg, before I knew him. Then I heard these tapes existed. Yeah. So I'm, I've invested quite a bit of my own money going around and buying tapes from studios who have them that were not released. I don't think there's much point trying to go after what's